Okay, you can you can sit down. I want to. I can't let you keep standing because I want the children to be able to see. And if you're standing, they won't be able to see. I have some a couple of things here that you may have in your house that we're going to talk about this morning in relationship to this subject of the sanctity of life. Now, you may not think think that these would have anything to do with that, but they do. So first is this this thing here. That's a mousetrap. Yeah, that's a mousetrap. And this is a fly swatter. Okay, so keep, keep those in mind because they're going to come up here in what we're looking at. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke on the subject just briefly of the shedding of innocent blood. You might, if you were here, you might remember that we talked about God speaks against this many times, over 20 times in the Old Testament. He talks about the shedding of innocent blood. And we were looking specifically at the subject of abortion because if there's anyone that qualifies for innocent blood, it would be the unborn child in the womb. But I wanted to kind of expand on that subject this morning and um, looking at a broader subject called the sanctity, what we call the sanctity of life. Now I want to try to just say something about that this morning. It's, uh, you'll hear about that, especially during this time of year, but it shouldn't be just this time of year. What are we talking about? When we speak of the sanctity of life, we're not just referring to the unborn child. We're saying that all human life is sacred. That's where that word comes from, sanctity, sacred. It's, it's special. It's set apart. There's something that sets us apart from other forms of life, like that of a monkey or a whale. Now, monkeys and whales are nice things, but we're different than monkeys and whales. So what is this something that sets us apart? Well, the answer goes way back to the first chapters of the Bible, to the time when God created Adam and Eve, created humans. We're different than animals and the rest of creation because we're made in the image of God. So this is what, if we're talking about the sanctity of life, this is what we're talking about. We're saying that we're different we're set apart. There's a sacredness about us because we're made in the image of God. Now, the verses are back in chapter 1. Let's just look at them. And children, this, it will, why don't we, if you have your Bible there, just turn to this because uh, the more, I mean, I've been a Christian for many years now, but in some of these verses, I didn't realize how important they were when I first read them. But this, this is one of those sections that's so foundational to our understanding of life and how we should live and how we should view people and, and reality. So anyway, back in chapter 1 of uh, Genesis, and we'll begin with verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So image and likeness there. Let me just stop right there. Children, did you know that you're like God? 
That's what this verse teaches us. You're not God, but you're like God in some ways because you're made in the image of God. He made you in His likeness. And he says, let them rule, that is, people. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the seas, the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, that's, like I say, that's, that's such a tremendously important verse to understand who we are and what, what uh, God wants us to understand about how we interact with people. God has stamped his likeness on every human being. Whatever race or ethnic group, whatever gifts or abilities they have, whether they're powerful or disabled, whether they're rich or poor, whatever age from conception to old age, from womb to tomb, every human has innate dignity, not just because of who they are, not innate dignity in themselves, but innate dignity and worth by virtue of being made in the image of God. There's where you get your worth and dignity. You're made in the image of God. This means our worth and value is not based on our usefulness, especially in terms of how other people might think we're useful or not. It's not based on our usefulness to society or whether we're viewed as imperfect or inconvenient by someone else. God's commands about how we should treat each other are primarily based on this foundational truth. Human beings are God's image bearers. When you see that person in the, in the uh, Hy-Vee store, or when you see that person walking down the street, that's a person made in the image of God. doesn't matter if they're a Christian or not, they're still made in the image of God. They're God's Im image bearers. It's true that sin has defaced much of that image. We don't see people the way they were intended to be initially made because sin has come in. In fact, sin has ravaged the human race so deeply that we must have severe penalties if one of God's image bearers murders another image bearer. Think of that. We have to have laws. We have to have penalties, severe penalties, because sometimes God's image bearers will turn and murder another one. This is what is brought out back in Genesis chapter 9, where God instituted capital punishment. That was back in Noah's day. Why did he do that? Because of the sanctity of life. Here's the way the verse reads. This is in Genesis 9, chapter, or, uh, verse 6, 9, 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. In other words, there has to be uh, punishment if you shed man's blood, a person's blood. Why is that? Well, God tells you right there. For in the image of God he made man. The reason there has to be punishment for taking the life of another person 
is because that person was made in the image of God. The reason there's a difference between the shedding of blood of another person and killing a cow, for instance, is that people are made in the image of God. People are made in the image of God. The sanctity of life applies to so much more than just the shedding of innocent blood, though. This truth should motivate us to combat all forms of evil and injustice against humanity. Abuse, oppression, human trafficking, and many other evils are violations of the sanctity of life. It goes all across the board, you see. What I'm trying to emphasize here, this is such a monumental, such a foundational concept. It affects every area of our lives, this thing of being made in the image of God. Even though the sanctity of life is so foundational, so fundamental as to how we should live, it's denied by many people, especially those who hold to a naturalistic evolutionary view of life. And a lot of times that's people who are in the animal rights movement. Now that's why I brought the fly swatter and the mousetrap. I hope to point that out here. What happens in some of these people's worldview is that they put animals on the same plane as humans, on the same level. They say, There's no difference between an animal and a human. Um, The reason for that is if they're evolutionists, they believe that people and animals both evolved by chance from the same, some some prior form of life. It's not just uh, evolutionists, though. There's religions that teach this same thing. Hinduism's uh, shot through with this. Uh, There's one branch... Uh, one small religion called Jainism, where the the priests that are Jainists won't walk down the sidewalk or the road without a without a uh, broom because they want to sweep off any little bug that might be there, lest they by by chance step on a bug. So these things affect our lives, you see. But I want to zero in especially on those who would uh, view that animals and humans are on the same plane or on the same level, especially those who hold to naturalistic evolution. I want to give you an example here. In his book uh, called Practical Ethics, Princeton University professor of bioethics Peter Singer says, now this is a little bit difficult I have to explain some of this to you, but uh, it's very clear what he's saying. He's, <clears throat> it is speciest, that's, that's what makes this quote hard, speciest. It's hard to say. He, I guess he made the word up. <laughs> it is speciest to judge that li- the life of a normal adult member of our species is more valuable than the life of a normal adult mouse. Now, what's he talking about speciest? Well, you know, if you're a racist, you think that one race is better than another. If you're a sexist, you think that one uh, gender is better than another. But if you're a speciest, you believe that one species is better than another. So, 
it's wrong for Homo sapiens, that is us, humans, to think that we're more important than any other form of animal life, for instance, a mouse. That's the mousetrap, why I have the mousetrap. If he was consistent in his belief, he would not have any mouse traps in his house. The mice have just as much right to his house as he does. <clears throat> That's what he says. It's, it's, speciest, it's speciest to judge that the life of a normal adult member of our species is any more valuable than the life of a normal adult mouse. Isn't that incredible? This guy teaches at Princeton. It follows logically, then, that he would reject any idea of the sanctity of human life. Of course he would. Here's what he says. This is in an article he wrote on the sanctity of life. That was the title of the article. He said this a few years ago. During the next 35 years, the traditional view of the sanctity of life, the sanctity of human life, will collapse under the pressure of scientific, technological, and demographic, de demographic developments. By 2040, it may be that only a rump of hardcore, know-nothing religious fundamentalists will defend the view that every human life from conception to death is sacrosanct. In other words, it's sac is sa sacred. In other words, so what he's saying is it's only a bunch of idiots that will hold this view or as he says, a rump of hardcore, know-nothing religious fundamentalists will believe in the sanctity of life. Well, it shouldn't be surprising that those who believe in the evolutionary position are often pro-abortion and also often in favor of infanticide and euthanasia. Singer himself says we really shouldn't consider a newborn child I'm not, not just the unborn child, but a newborn child to be a human, a person, until maybe a month after they're born, because then we can decide whether they really pass the test to be part of uh, a, per, uh, a person, de declared a person. Sounds like species. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those who devalue the life of the unborn child will have little problem devaluing the life of other members of the human family. It just, it's just going to fall like dominoes. You're gonna, if you start devaluing life in any area, it's going to be devalued in every area eventually. I mean, these are frightening things. When he says by 2000, if he's right, by 2040, it's going to be a sad state of affairs around the world. It already is. It already is. We're killing millions of babies every day, every year, and every day thousands of babies around the world. Well, if humans and animals are both the result of the chance conglomeration of molecules then there's really no difference between killing a person and swatting a fly. That's where the fly swatter comes in.
I mean, this is ridiculous, but this is what people are saying. Logically, if they follow through on the positions they're taking, they would say you can't, there's no real difference between swatting a fly and killing a person. We both had the same origin. We're both just molecules that come together by chance. A naturalistic, materialistic view of life has no basis for human dignity. They have no basis for the sanctity of life. What is the sanctity of life? It's realizing we're made in the image of God. You throw that out, you lose it. You lose humanity. Now, those are some of the more common thoughts along this line, but I want to go into something a little bit different here. As Christians, it's important for us to realize that this truth of sanctity of life affects other areas of our lives that are not quite so blatant, not as big as killing a person or an unborn child or infanticide or euthanasia. We must all be careful that we are not unknowingly transgressing the biblical teaching of the sanctity of life. All of us, all the time, have, should have this before us. Now, what am I talking about? Such things as harsh or judgmental words can cause us to violate the sacredness of another's life. James, in the book of James, he said this concerning the tongue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the image of God. He's talking about realizing that that person that you're speaking harshly to was made in the image of God. He said, brethren, these things ought not to be this way. He's saying this is not right. You're violating the image of God in that person by speaking in a judgmental or harsh mean-spirited way to that person. Jesus said it even stronger. He told us that the harm our words can do to another person can be compared to a subtle form of murder. Remember that in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, he, if, you, if you say to that person, you fool, you're guilty enough to go into the hell of fire. Our words, you see, our words are striking at the image of God in that person. So if we say that we believe in the sanctity of life, we need to be careful about anything that would erode that sense of worth and dignity in others, in another individual. Rather, may our words and actions uphold the dignity and worth of all humanity, especially the lives of the weak and the defenseless and those who cannot speak for themselves. And this is a quote from Proverbs 31, verse 8. Open your mouth for the dumb, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. That's just another way of saying stand up for the sanctity of life. That's what he's saying. As we have time with one another here, fellowship with one another. As Christians, we see one another as brothers and sisters. But even below that, more basic than that, this other person is a, a, one of God's image bearers. Sitting, sitting next to you, 
is one of God's image bearers. And, and it's good to remember that about ourselves, too. This is what God has made us to be. So, anyway, some thoughts related to the sanctity of life. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for this basic truth related to the sanctity of life. Help us to remember it as we go about our our day here and then out uh, past our time here with the church, that we would show something of the reality of of this great truth that that you made people, humanity, in your image, and that image has been marred, tarnished, defaced by sin, but we need to acknowledge it and help other people to realize that they were created for something more than just being part of uh, mud and, and uh, the animal kingdom that were made to reflect something of the image of God. We pray you'd help us by thy spirit to do that as Christians and uh, take a stand for, for those that can't stand for themselves. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.